0: Everyone, welcome back to Leading Off. I'm your host Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at danharris80. With me, as always, is my producer and the inspiration for Harry Potter, Brendan Tuma, and you can find him on Twitter at too much We've got lots to discuss from yesterday, so let's get right into it. As always, we're going to start with my three biggest takeaways, which are Jordan Yamamoto dazzling in his debut, Garrett Cooper suddenly being must own in anything 12 team deep or more and Chris Paddock being optioned to triple-A. Then we're going to look at some interesting things from yesterday, like Ramon Laureano with another big game, and Merrill Kelly with another dominant start ever since I stopped talking about him. Then we'll finish up with some injury news, like Corey Seager looking at a lengthy absence, and Nolan Arenado being okay after being hit by a pitch, before I tell you what to look out for in today's games. But first, a reminder about our contest for the month of June. We are giving away $100 in credits on TickPick toward the purchase of any ticket you want. Take your family to a ballgame. Take your daughter to a Taylor Swift concert. Take Brendan to a musical, whatever. All you need to do to be entered is leave a review for the show on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at fantasypros.com. Simple, right? I know, because I asked for it to be simple because I am the least technologically proficient human being in the world. So go get some free TickPick credits. Be a hero to your family. Impress Brendan. You can do it all. You know, I really want to see Zach Gallen pitch in the majors, but I'm not going to argue with Jordan Yamamoto's promotion right now. Yamamoto threw seven scoreless innings while allowing three hits and two walks and striking out five last night against the Cardinals. He's going to be a popular name on the waiver wire this week, but if you watched that start, you weren't exactly blown away. Yamamoto had 9 swinging strikes in his 95 pitches and allowed several hard hit balls. And he relies primarily on his fastball, which sat at 90.8 miles per hour, and his cutter, which sat at 86.6 miles per hour. And the thing is, Yamamoto wasn't tearing it up in AA. He had just a 350 ADRA and a 119 whip with less than a strikeout per inning. And that's AA, guys, that's not AAA. Now he mixes speeds well, and he might have some success, the first time that teams see him, but this is not a long-term option. He should take on the Cardinals in his next start, assuming he stays in the rotation. Meanwhile, Yamamoto got plenty of support from Garrett Cooper, who had a grand slam and fell a double short of the cycle. So let's talk about Cooper. First, let's just look at his raw numbers. He's batting 296 with an 875 OPS. He has 6 home runs, 21 runs scored, and 20 RBI in just 31 games played. So, if you extrapolate that, you're looking at a 30 homer, 100 run, and 100 RBI season. Now, Cooper has played in only 31 games because he began the year in the injured list, which has been his issue in his career. He's been up only since May 11th, but he's got a 20.8% strikeout rate to a 10.4% walk rate. That's extremely respectable, and he hits the ball hard consistently. And look as good as his season has been under the radar he's actually been slightly unlucky here his woba is 356 but his expected woba is 380. if you want to get on cooper about something it's that he hits far too many ground balls he's got a 56.3 percent ground ball rate that is well above the major league average and seventh worst in the league so it's possible he may have trouble hitting home runs as consistently as he has been doing but there are very few things here that look out of whack Cooper looks like a guy who just needed some sustained health, and he is breaking out. And The tough park and the poor supporting cast with the Marlins limits his upside a bit, but he should be added in any league 12 teams or deeper in my opinion, and he is available everywhere. If you are dealing with injuries in your league, go get him. The Padres optioned Chris Paddock to high A yesterday. Let's let that all sink in for a moment so we can come to grips with it. Good. Okay, look. First, to be clear, the fact that Paddock was optioned to high A versus triple A or double A or whatever is meaningless. He could have been optioned to the moon. It is irrelevant. It's just about giving him a break. And we knew that the Padres were going to look to limit his innings this year after he threw just 90 last year. But let us be clear about something. This move is not happening right now if Paddock had not allowed 12 earned runs over his last three starts. Paddock was on pace for just 157 and two-thirds innings, so it's not as if he was going to blow by whatever maximum the Padres are aiming for here. They could have easily kept him going for a while, perhaps skipped a start here or there. But with his struggles, they're just going to give him a flat-out break. Now the only thing we know is that Paddock cannot return absent an injury somewhere to the rotation to the Major League roster for 10 days. So those in weekly leagues are basically going to want to make sure he's on your bench next week. But when he returns he will probably look refreshed and a bit more like the paddock of old in other words this looks weird but it's really not something to get worked up about expect paddock back in about two weeks and be good to go from here once he returns as for who takes over in the padres rotation it's unclear the padres haven't announced it yet but matt strom will return from the injured list to start today in colorado at least so that does help Again, this is probably a short-term opening anyway, so don't worry about who fills Paddock's spot. Now, there were a number of performances yesterday that are worth talking about, beginning with Cole Hamels being lights out again, probably on your bench, as he shut down the Rockies in Colorado, tossing seven scoreless innings while striking out nine. That is three straight scoreless outings for Hamels, whose ERA is now down to 298. Hamels was electric yesterday, 17 swinging strikes and 18 called ones on just 93 pitches, again, in Colorado. He has vaulted himself into must-start territory, and he should be firmly planted in your lineup against the White Sox next week. Can we say the same thing about Merrill Kelly? Well, no, but Kelly did turn in his third straight excellent start against the Phillies last night, throwing seven and two-thirds scoreless innings while allowing just three hits and striking out five. Kelly has now allowed just two earned runs over his last three starts combined his overall numbers are not special. He's got a 3.73 ERA and a 127 whip. He's striking out fewer than seven batters per nine innings, and he has a FIP and an XFIP in the mid-fours. But pitching stinks, and Kelly is serviceable. So in a pinch or a two-start week like next week, you can take your gamble. He'll take on the Rockies at home next. Carlos Santana hit his 14th home run yesterday against the Reds. Santana had a really really remarkable year all the way back in 2016 when he hit 34 homers scored 89 runs and tallied 87 rbi on the season at the all-star break that season Santana had an incredible 20 homers 52 runs scored and 49 rbi those are great totals well we still have roughly a month to go before we hit the all-star break and Santana is rapidly closing in on those numbers already in addition to his 14 homers He's already scored 42 runs and driven in 42 as well, and he is batting 333. Santana is on pace to have his first 100-run season, his first 100-RBI season, and tie his career best in homers, all with a batting average 80 points higher than his career mark. His season is backed up by a huge jump in exit velocity, where he ranks in the top 4% of the league, and a jump in barrel percentage, which he has raised about 2% from his career mark. Now his launch angle is way down, largely because of a greatly increased ground ball rate, which is a little weird. And his BABIP is 303 despite all those ground balls, which is a career high by far. But given how hard he is hitting the ball consistently and how he usually improves in the second half, remember, he has a career 789 OPS in the first half and an 839 OPS in the second half. You can go ahead and buy. As you can with Ramon Laureano, who hit a grand slam and stole two bases yesterday against the Rays. Laureano is suddenly batting 260 with 9 homers, 8 steals, and 37 runs scored. Remember, he got off to an awful start, batting just .234 with a 646 OPS in March and April. But he looks far more like the player he was briefly last year, and he should challenge a 2020 season when all is said and done. I really want to give Miles Michaelis more rope, but I'm just not sure I can after he allowed five runs in five innings against the Marlins last night. He now has a 4.83 ERA and 123 whip, and he's striking out six and a half batters per nine innings. Legitimately tell me, what is the actual difference between Michaelis and Merrill Kelly at this point? Oh, look, there will be a few more good starts from Michaelis here and there, but with that strikeout rate, he really needs to be nails otherwise to be worth starting, and he is not that. He's going to take on the Marlins again, but at home this time, where you could roll the dice if you were in a pinch. But I just don't feel like a guy like Michaelis is someone who I'm going to think about very much if I move on. Here are some other things that stood out from yesterday. Justin Verlander set a single game career high for himself by striking out 15 against the Brewers. He had 29 swinging strikes. 29! He's really good. You should try to trick someone into training him to you or something. Also note that Brandon Woodruff more than held his own against Verlander, allowing three runs and striking out six over seven innings. He is for real. Luke Jackson allowed a run in the ninth inning of a tie game against the Pirates yesterday. AJ Minter pitched a clean A, though he did walk two, so he's not exactly beating the door down on the closers roll. But if I had the room, I'd probably stash Minter. Also, Mike Soroka allowed five runs over five innings in that game. Yeah. There's some correction coming. The dude isn't pitching to a sub-2 ERA all season. Accept that fact, and you will be much happier. Soroka is still a must-start option. And Shane Green got his AL leading 20th save for the Tigers last night. Green is having a remarkable year, and he is under team control for one more season, so it's possible that the Tigers could hold him if they don't get the asking price they want and look to deal him in the offseason but they'll probably wind up trading him at the deadline, in which case Joe Jimenez will likely be the Tigers' closer. But continue to enjoy the ride right now as a green owner. Okay, let's close shop here with some injury news. Corey Seager was diagnosed with a grade 2 plus left hamstring strain and will be out for several weeks. This is a big bummer for Seager who is just getting going. Chris Taylor is likely going to see increased time at shortstop for the Dodgers. Taylor is having a disappointing season, but he could provide both power and speed, as he has done in the past, now that he'll have an everyday role. Mike Clevenger will rejoin the Indians' rotation on Monday against the Rangers. This is good injury news. You should be excited. Clevenger was awesome before getting injured, and since yesterday was Wednesday, I can tell you exactly where I have him at starting pitcher for the rest of the season, and that is 20th. Now, I expect him to climb once he gets his feet under him, and certainly see a path to him being inside the top 15 when all is said and done. But for now, if you want to know where I'd rank him rest of season, there you go. Nolan Arenado was removed from yesterday's Cubs-Rockies game after being hit by a pitch on the forearm. X-rays were negative, and it was just a bruise, so fantasy owners can rest easy here. Ken Giles was placed on the 10-day injured list with elbow inflammation. This one really seemed to come out of nowhere, as Giles had pitched well all season, and especially lately. It's likely that Joe Biagini, Tim Meza, and Daniel Hudson will share closing duties for now. Hudson's number was called last night, and he locked down the opportunity, so it certainly could be him for the time being. Now, Giles says he expects to miss the minimum amount of time, but that legitimately is the most meaningless statement a human being can make. Remain optimistic for now, but of course, you need to monitor this for further developments. Jason Kipnis missed his second straight game with tightness in his right hip, and Buster Posey was activated from the injured list as expected. Joey Votto was removed from yesterday's Reds-Indians game with mid-back tightness. Votto, who homered in the game before leaving, said he did not expect to miss any time. John Duplantier was placed on the 10-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. Stephane Crichton was recalled from AAA. Duplantier is going to have an MRI today which will determine the extent of the injury. There were many owners who picked up Duplantier for his two-start week, but were rewarded with one bad start, and now an state. But it could have been worse. You could have picked up Jared Eikhoff for his two-start week. Always look on the bright side of your life. No word yet on who's going to take Duplantier's turn in the rotation this weekend against the Nationals. And my best friend Willie Calhoun will start a rehab assignment today, and could be back soon. The plan for Calhoun is unclear, but assuming he beats Joey Gallo back to the Majors, which looks like a safe bet right now, then hopefully Calhoun can figure into the outfield mix and regain his form. As for what I will be watching for today, it is Jack Flaherty against Jacob DeGrom. To be fair, as a Mets fan, that's what I would have been watching regardless, but Flaherty has been maddeningly inconsistent this year, and he was dreadful against the Cubs. As a fantasy owner, I want to see him bounce back, and in particular, limit the walks in this start. But to be clear, as a Mets fan, I want Pete Alonso to hit eight home runs off him. And that is all for today's episode of Leading Off. Continue to reach out to me at harris 80 or Brendan at Too Much Tuma whenever you want to chat. Have a great day, everyone. I'll talk to you tomorrow.